Hey there, everybody. What's up? It's Trent McClellan with episode 65 of the Generators podcast here on the Comedy Here Often podcast network. What is going on? Um, I, again, am recording this podcast introduction from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, Earth, and uh, not a bad little day today. Rained quite a bit over the last uh, 12 hours or so. But uh, got to get out, get to a little park, walk around, get some fresh air, you know, and uh, had a pretty low-key weekend, but it was fun. It was good. How was your weekend? What are you doing? You just trying to get your holiday shopping done, get all that finished, and uh, get stuff sent on? That's the math everyone's doing now. I got to buy gifts for people that don't live close to me. When do I have to ship that? When does that have to be taped up and sent to a post office? And even then, will it get there in time? No one knows. It's post office roulette. You don't know if that's showing up two days later or if that's showing up deep into 2021. You know, May 1st, someone might hear ding dong and come out and there's your Christmas gifts. They've just arrived. We're sorry. Here you go. You don't know? Crapshoot. Um, I got a little bit of my shopping done, a few more things to pick up, and then I think I'm uh, I'm all complete, but uh, chipping away at it, trying to get to some local stores and, and support them during this crazy time um, when I can. But um, yeah, we're all making the best. I'm all making do. We're supposed to go back to, to Newfoundland for Christmas. That's not going to happen by the looks of it as of right now. Um, but you know what? Don't feel sorry for me. You don't need to. Because we're all sacrificing. Everybody. You know, in the, since February, everybody's been sacrificing and giving something up. And that's why it frustrates me when I look at the ridiculous numbers in Alberta which is a province that I have lived in for 17 months, 17 months, sorry, 17 years. Have some great friends out there. I've had some great times out there, but I, for the life of me, I do not understand why you're not going into full lockdown. I don't know what stage you need to get to, to then make that decision, but this is getting ridiculous. The numbers are the worst in the country. Um, I understand you're concerned about the economy and shutting it down again and what that might mean. But that means that government's got to step in with some kind of economic help for people. There's an emergency situation. But human lives are far more important. And uh, some tough decisions have to be made. But you got to shut down. I mean, there's no other way around it. No other way around it. And uh, every day seeing those numbers just spike there, it's like, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know what you're waiting for. You know, and I'm kind of sick and tired of people pushing back on it. You know, pushing back on this whole notion of COVID. Is it real? Is it, you know, it's like, look, you got to believe in something. You know, and I know there's a lot of folks out there who don't believe in the government and they don't believe what, and I get it. Okay. I think it says a lot about the individual. I think the insecurities you have, the anxieties you have, I think you can probably go back into someone's childhood or stuff that's happened in their life that would lead them to be very suspicious of everything. And I get it. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. I think we should be suspicious on a certain level, but at some point we have to trust and believe in something. You know, and I often think if we had today's society back when World War II started and you had something like the Battle of Britain where, you know, German Germany was was sending bombers over London and they were just bombing stuff in England. And eventually they had to say in England, they had to say, look, we're going to have a curfew. No one's out past a certain time and we need everyone to turn off their lights. If that happened today. In Canada or America, there are people who go, I don't believe there's a war. I don't believe we're being bombed. I think it's government conspiracy to get us to shut off our lights, to control us. They just wouldn't believe it. There wouldn't be a buy-in. 
there wouldn't be this sense of patriotism of everyone pulling together in the same direction to do the right thing to try and get through this. There'd be, no, here's what I choose to believe. I think that's inconvenient for me that I have to turn off my lights. It's inconvenient. I don't like, to be, I don't like being told what to do. You know, and I feel like it's the most selfish, selfish thing. And I do not think it will age well. I really don't. You know, so can we just pull together and do the right thing? Look, I would love to be back in Newfoundland. Some of my buddies sent me a video the other day of a bunch of them, you know, um, hanging out and, and, and doing what they do. And I'm like, man, you think I wouldn't love to be there? You know, but I can't. This is, this is the cards I'm dealt as of right now. You know, and it's like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, but everybody's making sacrifices. You know, so why can't we all just do that? You're not the only one suffering. You're not the only one sacrificing. Everyone's doing it. So, um, I don't know. Anyway, enough of that. How about something cheery? Huh? Okay. Uh, this episode is... Mr. Bob Saget. Now, I met Bob a number of years ago. I was asked to uh, open for him on uh, on a couple shows. And I still remember the first time I met him. I get asked to open. I'm sitting in the, I think it was the Jack Singer uh, Theater downtown in Calgary. And I recall sitting in my dressing room, beautiful little green room, dressing room area. Bob's in his own. I have not seen him yet. I've never met the guy, right? So I'm just sitting there. Now, I've heard a lot of stories about big names, and I've opened for a lot of big names over the years. And quite often, big names will not even acknowledge that you exist as an opening act. It's weird. I know you're on the same show they're on, but a lot of times you might not even see them before showtime. You know, these backstage areas are so big. Your dressing room is one area. There's in another, and you may never see them before showtime. You see them on stage just like everybody else. And uh, so I kind of expected maybe that's what will happen. You know, I'm like, that guy's pretty famous. Uh, I'll go with no expectations. Just go to my dressing room and wait till the, you know, the uh, stage manager goes, okay, you know, we're 15 minutes away and they bring you out. And so I'm sitting there. It's about 45 minutes before showtime. There's a knock at the door and I turn around. It's Bob Saget. And he's like, Trent. So nice to meet you. Thanks for doing this. I watched some of your clips. Really funny stuff. Really looking forward to the show tonight. It's going to be a great time. And then he's like, man, do you, do you want to do some drinks after the show? Maybe go for some supper or some drinks if you're fine with that. I mean, if you don't drink, that's fine too. But uh, yeah, if you want to do that, that'd be cool. If you don't want to, totally no problem. And I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. So we do the show. It goes really well. And after the show, Bob says, you know, can we go to a, a place that's kind of more low key where there's not a lot of people? Um, and so his hotel, I think he, I don't know where he was staying at the time, but his hotel had a lounge in it and there was very few people there. We went there, we had some food, we had some drinks and we just hit it off right away. Just, he's just a good dude. And I realized as we were sitting there that this guy is like super famous. People were looking over, staring, they'd whisper to each other and they'd look over again, they'd point and I realized that's where he want, why he wanted to go somewhere low key, because otherwise you, you're going to be, you know, just people are going to be coming up the whole time. And I, I did a couple of shows with him and I, I saw this happen a few times of people just like, oh, Mr. Saget, can I get a photograph? Can I get a whatever? And um, so I understood then why he wanted to go to somewhere more low key. But honestly, one of the kindest people in the business um, that first time meeting him was a reminder that, you know, you can be hugely successful and famous and have a big name, but you can always be kind. You can always be kind. That's a choice to be kind. And, uh, he certainly was to me from day one and, and continues to be. And, uh, it was just great to catch up with him on this, this episode of the podcast and, and find out how he's doing and see that he's doing well. And, uh, as always, he was very, very funny and, uh, just a sweet guy. And I think you'll see that in this talk. So, uh, all right, sit back and enjoy my talk with Mr. Bob Saget. That this thing did not happen as was promised, that the wall was not uh, made and created, and uh, they had bought a lot of lumber, Bob, and a lot of concrete, and that's going unsold down there in America. It's sad. 
I think some of it still it was used. There were, a, 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 I think, a mile or two mm-hmm. that got used. But the border between the United States and Mexico is, I found out, longer than two or three miles. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, did you do the measuring on the, the wall? You've done the, really, two to three miles? You don't want to double check it again? We're good. It's Frank. It's Frank. His name is Frank, and he's actually from Mexico. Um, it's Franco. <laughs> They built the wall out of Legos. It's, uh, you know. Very easy to take down and uh, for both sides to disassemble. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kids are having a great time on both sides, you know, just building different things in little small towns. Oh, man. But the U.S. right now is a Rubik's Cube. You know, we're trying to somehow put it together, but it seems impossible because once <laughs> you fix one thing, the other stuff just falls out the other ass. So it's uh, <laughs> It's a, assuming you have more than one ask, but how yeah. are you doing? How have you been? We're good, man. I mean, I haven't talked to you in a, in a couple of years since we did some shows together. Um, I'm in what they call the Atlantic bubble here in Halifax, Nova Scotia on the East Coast. So cases here are relatively low, and uh, but there is a bit of a bit of a spike. So now they've even clamped down even more. And, you know, by clamping sure. down, what do they do? I'm not talking dirty. Uh, we, they we, actually keep you indoors right do they have a well store yeah stores are still open no curfew but stores are still open but it's uh you know limited capacity like 25 percent of their normal capacity in terms of you know who's allowed in there uh restaurants are open but only for pickup and delivery and uh all bars are closed you can't go into a nightclub there's none of that stuff same here gyms are closed all that stuff so uh but the numbers here comparatively to the rest of the world are still pretty small but the government here is not messing around in this province they're like shut it down right Um, but but uh, but people in canada listen and there there might be some people that are naysayers but we've got a lot of people here that don't believe some people don't believe the virus exists yeah uh i don't think they're in the majority but there are people that don't think that you need to wear a mask or i know or you should just be able to do whatever you want and you're hurting their rights as uh their american freedoms um and and that's just it doesn't make any sense Um, it's amazing it's amazing i think about the battle of britain you know like in world war ii and you know they had curfews and they made everyone turn off their lights so the Germans couldn't bomb them. But I think right. if that happened today, people would go, I'm going to turn my lights on and watch my television. The government's not telling me what to do. It's like while bombs are dropping a block down the street from you. Like it's. Well, thank you for not doing a Southern accent. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Jim Gaffigan had a great bit. He had filmed it, I think, up in Winnipeg. And as someone, he's been, a lot of us have been running old footage from, from shows we did. And Jim Jim's got so many specials that he's made and he's just a wonderful man. And so he has a whole thing where he says, well, America's always go, well, we'll just move to Canada. And he goes, I don't remember ever being invited. (laughs) (laughs) Not like Canada said, oh, please, everyone in the U.S. who's disgruntled live here. We need more people that don't wear masks. That's what we want. We've got a bunch of extra space we're not using. Just just move on up here. We've got some land outside of Winnipeg here. You guys can have to yourselves. And uh, the mall's only a few hours away. (laughs) (laughs) Get some snow dogs and you'll get there. You'll be fine. I had to cancel. That's where I was going right before they shut everything down. I was going to Vancouver and I was going to do a bunch of Canada dates and I had to cancel them and i remember i was going to play the uh, river rock in in richmond bc nice yeah and it's a beautiful place and i've always played there and i was all set and then i the night before i said look this is happening really fast and my agent called them and said look it's and they were upset because they we didn't know how bad it was going to be yeah. but it was getting bad here and i said i don't it's it's too risky because i uh you know, to do the show is risky because it looks like things are going to start getting shut down. And then also, selfishly, I wouldn't be able to get back. I right. would have not been able. Yeah. Uh, and as it turned out, that was the only show that I would have been able to do because oh, I was wow. going to go from there to Calgary to the Jack Singer. And then I was going to go to Regina and who doesn't. And yeah, I was going to go to uh, Whitecap, uh, Saskatchewan. Yeah, I, I love where you are. I had a show there in the ballroom somewhere you know you're everybody tells you you're 200 miles from the titanic let's get a boat (laughs) get a raft your show's in a submarine so uh it's the only show there have been twice in my career where i have eaten before a show normally it's like maybe i'll eat around noon and then that's it because yeah you don't want to poop on stage and um (laughs) 
And uh, but I was in Halifax and I had so much locks that was Nova Scotia locks, the real deal. Yeah. And uh, I must have eaten a pound of it. Every the microphone smelled like it was swimming upstream. It was horrible. <laughs> it's funny because you mentioned eating. I uh, I remember doing shows when I first started stand up, like your know, stomach's just nervous all day. I can't, you know, I'm like, I can't go anywhere near food. And I was opening for Alonzo Bowden in Vancouver, actually. And uh, in between shows, he was just unpacking DVDs and eating a massive burger. And I'm like, this guy's a pro. This guy is this oh, guy. Look is. at this guy. He's a warrior. <laughs> he's one. He's a wonderful guy. Too. Oh, he's awesome. He's, yeah. He's such a good man. Great yeah. comic. And uh, but I read. Yeah, that guy. That guy's been through the wars. That guy's not afraid of anything. He's like, yeah, give me a double burger there with some bacon and cheese on that thing. What time is it? <laughs> 10, to, 10 to 8? Yeah. Yeah. I got time for that. And I was just mind was blown. <laughs> you got a raw pig snout? Shove it on there. <laughs> give me a hoof. Yeah. He's like, you're going out there first anyway. Right. So it's like. I got time to wolf down half of a cow and get out there and do what I do. And of course he went out there and crushed or whatever. But uh, right. it's funny because I remember you and I, uh, the last time we were kind of hanging out a little bit was probably in Calgary. And uh, I remember saying to someone after the casino, right? Yeah, we did the one, the first time we worked in Calgary, we were at the beautiful theater downtown, maybe Jack Singer. And the second Jack time Singer. was that was the, was the casino where it was very, remember, the, remember the, the little room they had us in off the side. It was like, just for, it looked like it was a storage room for tables oh and chairs. Oh my God. I remember waiting in a chair. I was not, it wasn't a room. I waited in a chair. Yeah, right and, off the and, stairs that led up to the stage. It was like, yeah. And the guy that ran the place was like old showbiz, but maybe somewhere else at one point. <laughs> but he was really nice. But yeah. it was just kind of like we were looking at each other like, what's going on here? Yeah, because the night before we'd been at uh, in Edmonton and they had that trailer backstage and we went to the steakhouse and the casino. And that was, and, oh, that was awesome. I love it there. That's the River Cree, I think. River Cree, yeah. Yeah, right. it was amazing. I, lo I love that place. Place. And before they had the trailer back in the day, they uh, it was just like if you had to go to the bathroom and you didn't want to use the outhouse outside, you know, the porta potty, you beat in the snow. And, yes. and that's what I was doing at the time because I've been coming to that place since it opened, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. But someone asked me what you were like afterwards. They're like, oh, you open for Bob on the weekend. And I go, no, oh, really nice guy, super nice, very kind. I said, but. It's awesome because I was like, he still loves being a comedian. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I, I love it gonna, more now. That, yeah. Some people are going, I've had it. I'm done. Yeah. And I felt like I said, no, that guy still loves doing jokes. He loves writing jokes. He loves performing in front of people. And it's evident just being around him. And I was like, it's just contagious when you're around people who still love doing what they're doing. I don't care what it is for as a profession. But I was like, that guy still loves being a comedian. And I said, like, that was really energizing for me to be around him. Well, you're really good. So that was a pleasure, too. I mean, you're, you're driven to do it, but we don't even know how driven we are until we're put in a circumstance like now. Yeah, I'm dying to do it. And I did um, one date like in March in a warehouse. Tom Papa, who's a great comedian, asked, told me about it and he was hosting it and it was 20 people in a warehouse and in, in a studio it wasn't a warehouse <laughs> in, a, in a basement at the at Hannibal Lecter no it was from Silence of the Lambs you know it was that yes. Buffalo Bills Buffalo, whatever put, put anyway. the lotion in the basket yeah 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 it, do what it's told and um and it was uh, fun but not really it was weird it was at the beginning of it and then the next time I did it was when Dave Chappelle invited me to go to Ohio for the Cornfield show, where right. I, the one that where he did his special from anything he wanted to do was from there. And it was just amazing. It was yeah. beautiful. And I was with comedians. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I was with Chris Tucker and Chris Spencer and uh, Darnell and uh, Michelle Wolf and Louis CK and, and Dave. And, I said, I've got a joke. It's really, really sick and it's in poor taste. And uh, Louis C.K. and Dave perked up. And uh, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's too horrible for this. I don't want okay. it to be taken out of context. And <laughs> I said, it's a joke about someone really wrong and some people will be offended because the audience were nice people, you know. They're, right. They're church going, uh, not all Republican. I mean, it's a, it's a mixture. It's Dave Chappelle. So you get yep. kind of all people except little kids because they they didn't know I was going to be there or Louis C.K. so they wouldn't have had little kids there anyway. Right. Uh, it's adult content. But, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But I said, can I, should I do this joke? And at the same time, they both said, open with it. <laughs> and I did it, I did it third and it was quiet. It got yeah. quiet. And, and I heard them pounding on the wall. Because it was, it was like a dressing room, but not a trailer, but like a, a, a small, small room with all of us in it uh, that he'd been using as a green room for four months. Wow. How long did he do it? Four months. Yellow Springs, Ohio, 3,000. 500 population and then i didn't i did one private gig that was completely safe but i did get on a plane to do it and then um i'm doing a drive-in on december 12th because i have to do this and i'm not going to hear the last i'm told if you say something funny they honk Uh, there's four people in a car maximum um windows are supposed to be up they're also you know, 10 feet apart. Anyway, right. yeah. um, it takes up to 200 cars. Uh, <laughs> I'm a car wash, but I'm playing a car lot. I'm playing a used, a used car I'm, lot. I'm just going to do one. I'm just doing it. <laughs> it's what it's going to look like. <laughs> but I'm just doing it once because I have to do stand. I needed to perform so bad. <clears throat> I've been saying no to the masked singer for years. Right. That, uh, <laughs> right I said, no, no. And then they called like in, I don't know what month it was. It was like, and it was on top secret. I had to have my wife and my daughter sign NDAs so they wow. wouldn't tell anybody. And they just said, would you like to do it? I went, yes. <laughs> I don't care if I look, if it's the end of my life. I don't care. I've got to be with people. But there something? was no audience. They put them on in post. And I was in a costume that was its own mask. But it was, uh, I was Squiggly Monster, very popular. Here I can uh, Nice. Show you who I was. Nice. This is, this is uh, who I was. Oh yeah, yeah. I would not have figured it out. I'll guarantee. No, you. no, you can't. No. Except it was nine feet tall, and the head <laughs> was basically a diving helmet, and I could not. <laughs> I couldn't breathe. I literally. Yeah, hey, right. I couldn't. I couldn't uh, function. I I couldn't move. My knee went out. But I sang. I was there for two weeks. I, I did the one song. Uh, what was it? It was. Uh, 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 have you ever seen the rain? Right. And then I did satisfaction the week after. And then they bumped me and I'm like, what? I was squiggly monster. Who's broccoli. I was mad at, I didn't know who anybody was. You didn't see anybody. Then all of a sudden you're in a lineup and it looks like the star Wars bar. What have I done to my career? Where am I I right now? Where am I? Right. And and the, and the broccoli was Paul Anka. So I was like, no, Mm, you know, that's pretty talented broccoli. You know, that's 70 year old guy kicking ass next to me in a squiggly monster outfit. one of my regrets actually i think about some of the greats that i you know that have been in entertainment over the years and you go oh, i never got to see like i never got to see rickles right ever and and i regret never ever getting the chance and opportunity to do that did you did you know him very well or, or i knew him really well, well. yeah i knew him real real well um i directed him in the norm mcdonald Artie lang movie dirty work all right so he was in, in that and i'd met him long before that but that was in 1997 that came out in 98 we shot that in toronto yeah and uh Don will tell you, I'll show up if there's zeros in the check. Uh, and and then the last 10 to 12 years of his life, he had lost his son, Larry, to a crazy disease. They didn't know what it was. It was in his lungs. I don't know. And it was a long time ago. And right around, right before that, I started to become very friendly with him through John Stamos. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I love him and miss him so much. He's, yeah. uh he influenced me a lot. He always played uh, that room uh, in Vancouver. Right. Uh, yeah, the River Cree. And I think he, he played. Oh, he played. He played in that's Winnipeg, but he played the River Rock in in Richmond, Vancouver. But uh, he, he played that room we we worked at. That Amazing. Big, kind of a tent place kind of it looks like a tent yeah but it's not it's a ceiling <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah well it's amazing was that, was that just for laughs and i was going to a i'm away to sound check and maria banford and i were walking across to the theater and i love maria too she's great and so sweet and uh yeah. i don't know how we just got on the topic of not retiring from stand-up you know where you just feel like well wh- why would you retire from it like you just love doing it why would anyone think about not doing it and we and rickles name came up and we went of course you would if you could still do it and you still get the the adrenaline from it it kept him alive yeah 
Yeah, I think you're right. It's a, it's a reason to get up every day. It's that thing that, you know, eight o'clock, I got the show and everything goes backwards from eight o'clock to, you know, to get yourself ready for the day and, and that stuff. But it becomes part of who you are, you know, in a strange way. Um, he did. I saw one of his last shows um, and he had been in a chair. Um, not a wheel. They'd take him with the curtain closed in a wheelchair out to the chair mm-hmm. that he would sit in. And I was actually instrumental at the river rock in getting them to take the chair to the ground because he was kind of uncontrollable because right. he wanted to go. He just still had that inside of him energy to want to just go crazy physically. Yeah, yeah. And so this is unbelievable. This is in Beverly Hills. I believe at the at the uh, Saban Theater, I think. And he had one moment that he had planned to stand up and do something physical. And it was true to who Don Rickles was. He got up very frail, holding onto the piano, had a glass of vodka next to it, stands up, is a little frail, and then he starts goose stepping. <laughs> Going Zeke Heil because you're not supposed to do that, and because he served in World War II, right? And so he joked about the Nazis because he fought for freedom, right? And the U.S. and And, and, um, and they won, yeah. We all won. We all won. I mean, everybody. We all did it. Yeah. Um, and I just wish everybody would step up right now. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> just put a mask on. I can't do that. It's too get much. rid of these these deified dictator people. But yeah, yeah. I don't want war either. So <clears throat> no. But that's what he got up to do, and then he barely made it back. I wanted to rush the stage just to put him back in his seat. Right to make sure he but, made but it. But he he was beautiful. I, I loved him so much, and he he's you know that's that's one of the special people that I used to. Well, I was 17 when I snuck in to see him in New Jersey. Amazing. I saw him one time opening for Sinatra. Oh, man. Oh, man. How old I am. Amazing. I never met him. Amazing. Amazing. Um, you ever heard Tom Dreesen telling stories about uh, Sinatra and opening yeah, up for Sinatra? Heard. Yeah. Right. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. And those guys, like the old show business guys, I remember being at the Laugh Factory. It might have been one of the times that you, you know, uh, made a call or two to get me in there. And I remember being in the back of the room and I watched Tom Dreesen. And I remember I didn't know who he was at the time, but I went, again, that's that's a pro. That's a oh, guy. man, he is a No fat, season. just boom, boom, no, From the beginning, boom. by the way. From yeah. the beginning. And I, I saw Leno when I moved out to L.A. I was 21. It was 1978. And uh, most of the people listening weren't born. Right. And uh, <laughs> Letterman was like the first MC that ever brought me up. And Leno was on stage. And before that, I'd met Leno. I was an intern at the Mike Douglas show, which was a popular show, a daytime show. And he had John Lennon on. He would have big people on. And Leno did his first stand-up on that Mike Douglas show in Philadelphia. And I was an intern. I was a 19-year-old kid. And he he was great. He was great. He was he came out of the gate. If you watch, I don't know if on Showtime they had the the comedy store special. I don't know where it ran up there. Yeah, I think I think we can find it up here on, on some yeah, on some network. But on I want to watch that. Yeah, I want to watch that because it's, it's it's good. Yeah, the, just the history of it all. And um, so you you born in Philadelphia, right? And you went yeah. to L.A. in 78? No, no, I'm old. I moved when I was real little. My dad was with a food company, so I'm, it's going to get really boring. No, I, I want to hear it. Okay. I was born in Philly. My dad was with Food Fair Pantry Pride, and he was in a meat executive. He started as a butcher. He killed 60 people. And he, he then... It's a serial, a serial kill. We've just solved that cold case. We've got what we need. Exactly. <laughs> My work is done. I've killed everyone. We have everything. <laughs> you guys clean it up. It's I'm, been recorded. I'm going gonna, I'm to I'm turn in my receipts. So, so he, uh, we moved to Norfolk, Virginia. And I lived there from the time I was like, my parents don't know how old I was. They couldn't keep up. Found you to feel. From the time I was six to the time I was 14. And when I was 14 in the middle of ninth grade, I moved from, they moved and I went with them from Norfolk, Virginia to California to mm-hmm. Encino, California. And I stayed there till between 11th, 11th and 12th grade. And then they moved back to Philadelphia. I didn't have any friends really of permanence. And so stand up was something I 
I was always trying to, I was making movies, bad crap since I was nine years old and then started writing songs when I was 16, started writing comedy songs when I was like 18. And then I did stand up through college, went to film school at the same time at Temple University, was a deli clerk at the same time and did uh, improv group comedy at the University of Pennsylvania that I couldn't get into because that's Ivy League. Did that all within that four years of college time. So then in 1978, I moved to California. And then I lived there until I got a job in New York on a CBS morning show that I got fired from. And then I came back to LA, did Full House a year later, the video show. And that's that's a a career starting. Isn't it amazing? I think about the the folks in entertainment, because it's funny, we started this with like, we're alive, we made it. But I also feel like with stand-ups in particular, there is that vibe of like, it, you still every you know every couple of years you'll cross paths with someone who's like you're still doing this you're still hey we did it huh? we're still another do we another day yeah. we get you know and I feel like because a career takes so many ups and downs and there's you're the you're the shit All and then them. you go from you know and and, and eventually you're the you're, shit and then you are the shit yeah uh, you know some people I had a, I had a joke about it. it's not very good but they would, people would say you're the shit man and I'd go thank you for adding the. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It changes the whole context. (laughs) Your ego can just be taken away in a minute, but you do it because you have no choice. I called my agent and said, I got to do, I got to do standup. I I got it. He said, you want to do a drive-in? People are doing them. Bill Burr said to do them. Bill Burr, who I'm, is a dear friend and I'm, one of my favorite comedians on the earth, yep. Bill said that he was doing a drive-in and instead of heckling, the lady just drove away. <laughs> she just drove away. Imagine. It's not like just leaving a show. It's like your car is gone. Just, she's coming back. She can, she's got to use the bathroom. She's got to use oh, She's going to use it. No, she's done. Okay. Just the indicator. People will go in their cars. I'll bet you they will bring like containers, a bucket, some kind of big slurp, uh, a well, cup. I, well, I don't like, I'm, I'm a little, the only thing I'm skeptical about is that people would use portable bathrooms. They won't wear masks. I mean, it's orange County. There are people right people everywhere. And LA is under real kind of like what you guys are. They want LA to stay at home. We're under right. stay at home orders. Mm. But that doesn't stop you from going to the store and it doesn't stop you. The idea is just don't congregate. Right. And a lot of people throughout the U.S. <laughs> don't want to listen to that. That's their rights are being taken away. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think we didn't. It wasn't handled right. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, was... um, it goes without saying. And people that are in denial are what are you going to do? Yeah. You gotta, the next step's acceptance. And. I don't think that's going to happen unless we get lucky and uh, hopefully it doesn't fire up too dangerously down here. Yeah. Because they're trying to, you know, I don't know if you heard, they're trying to prove the election fraud. <laughs> yeah, that's an ongoing thing. Um, don't <laughs> it believe the hype. forever. <laughs> no, right. <man>. Believe the <laughs> hype. Believe the hype. Um, <clears throat> and when you started, so you when you go on stage the first time, like well, I remember the guys that I started with and some of them, you know, stuck into it for a couple of years. Some are still doing it. Thank God. But who was the crew that you kind of felt was your your crew that you were going that you were going out every night to mics? You were doing shows. Who was who was that group that you kind of feel well, like you I came was up a, with? I was a host for eight years at the comedy store. So I was right. on the road in between. I did the warm up for some TV shows. The main one was Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks. Yeah, Bruce I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's because a friend of mine was the exec producer. My first friend that I made in L.A. was Gary Shanley. Oh, wow. And um, he was a mentor to me, but a friend, a friend. And we just did dick jokes all the time. That's all we did. (laughs) And just, you know, just sick jokes. And then he obviously was one of the better stand-ups ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then I had another friend that I met through a friend, Mike Binder, Mike Binder, the director, and he also made the, he's a great writer and did the Comedy Store documentary. He directed that and he's in it. Um, And it's about his journey as much as it is telling about the Comedy Store. But he introduced, I met him when he was 17 and I was 21. He was the first comic I saw at the Comedy Store. Wow. When I came out to win the Student Academy Award for a documentary I made. And then he said to me, I met Dave Coulier when I was on a comedy store college tour in Detroit. Man, oh man. And um, and I met Dave Coulier when he was 19. 
and because of the binder connection. And then I, I became friends with Dave and I would always play Detroit. So I, I, Mark Ridley owned the club there. Wonderful guy. And so I knew Tim Allen from there and um, a lot of people that, that came up at that time out of Detroit, you know, really yep. good people. And so Dave was my other friend that we got into trouble with. Uh, and, you know, I was in my early 20s and it was the early 80s and drugs were everywhere. Yep. And it was L.A. and it was the comedy store. And so, you know, in the in the walls of that building, I got Sam Kennison his first spot. And then he wow. met Rodney and I became friends with Rodney. And there was a lot of partying and a lot of. So my crew, I guess, would be uh, Gary and Dave. And um, Bruce Baum, Bruce Babyman Baum was a very popular comedian. I was also close with um, Dana Carvey, mm-hmm. always friends with Dana Carvey. Kevin Nealon and I went to Alaska and did, he'll, he'll be on my podcast. Um, I believe he's the last podcast of, uh, of 2020 on the, on the 28th. Uh, he'll be on and we talk about this experience working a strip club in Alaska oh wow uh, because uh, Leno said hey, it's money it's the cash Jerry did it so <laughs> but I you know I, I was friendly with a, a lot of these guys and, and gals I mean I, I had Carrie Snow was a good friend um, and I have feelings for all these people they're good people mm. if you're a leaf blower it's going to be a buzzkill but that's because I can't yell for them to go away no it's all good it's all good i don't I even they don't they aren't even my gardening people no, they just it's show weird up that the, it's weird that they're in your house too i think that's they're uh, inside yeah. yeah that's the leaves there's no leaves in there but i think that well, they brought some of the road she they bring leaves and then she likes the feeling of the leaf blower. So. I find I find leaf blowing the most hilarious profession where it's like you're not actually removing the leaves, you're just reorganizing the leaves. Yes, you you're distribute not, them. Yeah. Yeah, if we put them over here and then I'll blow them <laughs> over there. And then I'll go over there and I'll blow them back here. And then a wind comes and messes it all up and I'll see you tomorrow. Exactly. And that's basically how wind blowing industry works, you know? It's a great business. <laughs> it is. You, you always have work. It does it's not like end. T- tires. You always need them. But I mean, if you say you're a leaf blower, it's like my my mind since I was nine. Well, not nine, 12. My dad always, I don't know why I was, I was raised with an R-rated sense of humor from my dad. If you said leaf blowing, how many leaves do you get your mouth around? You know, <laughs> you know, how do you even form the leaves to be in, that, in the right to in fit shape. in your mouth? Yeah, that's that, that's a bit of work. It's a bit of arts and crafts before you actually get to the main part of it. Exactly. Yeah, it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit of a process. It's a mural. Yeah, basically, you're doing you're doing exactly you're doing a mural on a piece of paper. Um, when and eucalyptus things, would be good because you'd be also sanitizing because it's at the same time. Yeah, and it feels good. It just feels good for everybody involved. Well, for all the leaves involved. Hell yeah. But when I when this whole thing came down in March, I was starting a tour and I was four shows into the tour and I had to shut it down. And I had 20 more dates left. I was going to go across the country and had to shut it down, which sucked. But it really did. Didn't yeah, it? it was weird. And you're just like, do you postpone? Do you just cancel altogether? What do you do? I, I did a lot of postponing a couple of gigs. I postponed. I moved the date three times and then we just said, let's just let them know when it's rescheduled. Um, yeah. That's the only way to do it. But I had time off then and I kind of just, you know, was like trying to settle into what this new world of how things were going. And then I had uh, my home club, the Laugh Shop in Calgary was like, we're going to we're going to open up again and we want you to headline the first weekend. And I said, okay. but I had been on stage in three, four months, whatever it was. And I remember the first night going, how do I do this again? This was only four months, maybe three months. And I was like, what what do I how do I open? And I felt so nervous the first show. And by the second show, the next night, it was like, you know, I'd never left. You know, like it just comes back to you. But that sense of anxiety of like, oh, man, because it goes away. You as a comedian, you feel it goes away like the muscle atrophies and you don't know if it's still there you really don't i know it is because i learned because i'm older than you so Mm -hmm. i know it you know um but here they come can you hear hear them yeah i've got some of my own outside here and i've i've just hired them to climb the building and i'm on the i'm on the second second floor bob so i don't know what they're why there's leaf blowers outside my window but they <laughs> get get they down. Build scaffolding just to yeah, annoy they, your. And podcast. they just dump them over the window and they start. <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I remember that terror of man, will it still be there? You know, will I still have this this thing that I think I can do? And then after the first show, you're like, okay, yeah, I still know how to do. Well, this. doing the podcast helped me a lot, and I didn't do the podcast because of quarantine. I did the podcast because. I was out there touring and I want, I want to do a podcast and it wasn't like now everybody's doing it because all of the actors, everybody out of work, yeah. everybody political, everybody on the far left, on the far right, everybody's got a podcast. So it's just the way it is. The guy with the leaf blower has got one. I mean, it's really good. <laughs> You're the leaf blowing. It's all it's about. If you, the there XL. are people. Yeah, the XL2200, I'll tell you, if you're looking for something to blow some leaves, <laughs> this is a podcast sponsored by the, the Leaf Blower 2200. It's a uh, different it's attachments. A, it's an infomercial podcast. It's perfect. <laughs> but I started doing it in studio at this place, Studio 71 in the Valley, and then I couldn't do it. So I have the board uh, through this wall. I've got my study is set up as a podcast room. and Awesome. And um, I have good people. I've, uh, I have... Um, David Portnoy of Barstool Sports. Yep. yep. He comes on Monday. The following Monday is um, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Nice. Who's, have you seen Ted Lasso on Apple TV? No, I've not. Oh, Trent. Trent, as soon as this is done, watch 10 episodes that are less than a half hour each. It's the best, one of the best shows on television throughout all of this. It, it will, it is inspiring. It's about a good person. It's, um, he plays a guy from the South in the U.S. that has some experience in coaching, but not a lot, and goes to coach in England, in, in near London, uh, a soccer team. Uh, oh, wow. A football, a football team. Yeah. And, um, and he's set up to fail. That's They do it purposely. And it is such a beautiful story. It is such a, and it's 10 episodes and they're going to do two more seasons of it. So I, I recommend oh, that. Man. Yeah, I would definitely check that out. Definitely. And then the week after I got Johnny Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then the week after I have Kevin Nealon because we talk about uh, <clears throat> strip, strip club in Alaska. And then <laughs> I call people. I see how people are doing. I, I actually call people yeah and uh, they leave their numbers for me (laughs) sometimes it's the right number sometimes it's the right number and you talk to the actual person it's it's i yeah it's the wrong number sometimes it's funny like it'll be you can't understand them but for some reason it's transcribed right or they'll type i don't know how it works i don't understand (laughs) but i asked my producer so i could have access and he said bob you don't want to hear some of these messages and i went no i want to and it's like it's bad. It's like <laughs> sometimes it'll just be a guy farting into the phone. I mean, it's like How other people like, I grew up watching you. I love you. Please call me. I want to talk to you for hours and I, call me every week. I miss you so bad. It was like, oh my God, you're all set up to be a stalker. It's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I feel the same way with the podcast. I feel like it's almost me just catching up with a lot of people. Like, you know, it's a lot of my comedian friends and different folks I know. And it's been a great excuse to just go. I know that you'd be an amazing guest, but also it's like, how are you doing? Like, I haven't talked right. to you in a long time. So it's great. And then when you said it, it was like, ah, oh, Trent, I had, you know, but when you as we get older, we're not like we were when we were younger. Oh, I haven't heard from that person for two years. We're not friends anymore. As you get older and I'm in my I'm 64, as yeah. you become my age, it's like three years, four years. It's like, oh, how are you? So what's yeah. going on? Yeah. Well, the kids are blank and blank and this is going on. I'm like, wow. Yeah. You doing OK? I went, yeah, this is doing good, but this isn't. Yeah. How about him? He died. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah. And then can we see each other? And then we sometimes plan a Zoom. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, hey, do you want to have a cocktail on this one? <laughs> yeah. So drinks not? with I've got a, a Zoom that I get to do um, with my friends. It's cigar night. Some people smoke. Some people don't. Some people drink. Some people don't. Yep. And it was set up through Norman Lear, who is the icon of television. Mm-hmm. People don't know. Started all in the family. He started Sanford and Son, uh, Maud, uh, Good Times, uh, What's Happening. You know, it's just insane. Crazy. No, he didn't do What's Happening, did he? No. He did Good Times and the Jeffersons. That's he, did, he did What Happened. 
And that and was that's very what I'm asking about my brain. I mean, he's 98, and he knows he he doesn't go off game as much as I do. But we Sunday night it'll be like uh, ten of us, and mostly musicians like Dave Cos and Rick Braun and John Mayer is joined in, and different people, but, but a lot of amazing uh, musicians from Concord Records, and Man. we all just smoke and cigars, or some do, and talk about the world. Yeah, yeah. What the hell is going on? Yeah, what, yeah. What is happening? What the HF? Yeah. LQMN. <laughs> oh, that's my locator number for my next flight. <laughs> Just random numbers and letters come back to you in waves sometimes. Uh, and, uh, right. It's interesting because I find as I've gotten older, I feel like I realize a lot of my friendships were just, uh, you know, talking bullshit about different things. And you need that, too. But as I've gotten older, I've realized my, a lot of my friends that we've had more serious conversations about, like, being legitimate about, like, no, really, though, how are you doing? And then real shit comes out. Like, guys are like, oh, I'm not doing well, or my marriage isn't good, or I'm having that, you know. But I felt like for a bunch of years, it was just guys being guys, and you drank, and you partied, and you did whatever. And you never, like, there's something about men that we just don't reveal that side of us. Like, we've been taught that, that you can't show any weakness you always got to pretend like you got everything together yeah and i don't think women do the same i think women tend to just you know lay it out there with their friends whereas men i find it takes us longer to to let that guard down i don't know if you found the same as you well as i have but, but i think it's changed more and more because i know so many different kinds of people that are more old school in that way and i was more of a I don't want to say misogynistic, but, you know, I, I was I, I got divorced from my first wife like 23 years ago. So my my present wife, um, it, my second only wife, this is till death because that's my plan uh, <laughs> for both of us. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. Th- no, <laughs> but this is I've been with her for four years and then I had a lot of you know, entourage like moments in my life, just right. being me and being yeah. out in the world and doing stand up that people were like, I don't know why they were so surprised because I, if you look at my stand up from earlier, it exists and yeah. you can watch it. It was like that before I did Full House, but I also love doing family stuff. So that's, yeah. you know, but yeah, men and women, I do think um, I've been connecting with a lot of guys on a very, often on an emotional level Um, now, now. And I think it's because of the pandemic. And I think because of quarantine, I think it's much more when I talk to, whether it's for the podcast or a friend, but even on the podcast, it's been, I mean, a couple of the conversations I've got, I've cried. I mean, I've gotten emotional. I haven't, you know, (laughs) I didn't do that. Yeah. But Kevin Neal and I were going, oh, it's so bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we just kept doing that back and forth. It's just stuff that we just pick up and just start playing. Yeah. That's what a comedian is. It's someone oh, that awesome. wants to play. And then there's some that are ornery and some that you would think would be ornery, like Mark Marin. And I had him on my podcast and it was like two. I mean, I've known him since he couldn't get arrested. Right. <laughs> You can all get arrested now. I mean, it's very easy. <laughs> Pretty easy to do. Yeah. All you got to do is leave the house. Yeah, you're yeah. not allowed out and they throw a net on you. Done. So. Yeah, you're in. You're in the tank. It's it's over. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I've felt the same way, too. I think you're right. This whole shutdown thing has forced us all to go inside a little bit, I think, and slow down and kind of I've been calling it a bit of an audit of my life where I go all these relationships. And this, what, when was the last time I talked to that guy? And when was the last time I called this person? Like you really do think about that stuff. But when you're going in your normal life at a certain clip, you don't slow down, I don't think, to, to actually think about what you're doing or what you're not doing and why you're doing things. And so I, I felt like I fell into that a little bit where I started to think about things more seriously and, and realize I'm, I'm going too fast. I got to slow down. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I have been, I, I've, I'm a workaholic, so I have always been working on something like when we're done, I'm working on a, a film script uh, for Norm uh, right. for something that we're going to do that I think people especially everybody in Canada that loves Norm Macdonald will love awesome awesome um, but it's it's uh, it is a, everybody says it it's a reset yep and then you watch the news and you go oh my god I can't yeah. keep watching this it's addictive yeah I mean I is. just tweeted something that I know I'm going to get shit for I right. just tweeted it um, 
it's pretty upsetting. I, it, it seems like I'm not out of the game yet. I'm not looking at the responses. I said, and this just happened because my wife left the house. Uh, my wife just left the house to pick up a few things. I hope one of them's not Corona. <laughs> and so, you know, you knew it's coming. You knew it's that's coming. what I was going with. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just. <clears throat> But then, you know, oh, Bob, God, somebody answered. Relax, Bob. She's coming to see me for a bit. I always, oh. wear, I always wear protection. That's like, <laughs> oh, God. Those are my people. Hitting that ball back over the net. They're like, gotcha. It's so great. And then two guys, oh, oh some lady, uh, MILFs, MILF so hard. Wow. MILF you know? so hard. She wrote, if she knows better, it'll be tequila. And this is the video that came with it. Oh my God! Because <laughs> I did a coronavirus joke. That's right. like a, that's a quadruple take. Oh man, just well, but you know what? I think like when I went on stage that night after the club opened back up and I went up, I could feel it in the room. Like people wanted to laugh again because you're right. Things have been doom and gloom, and at the end of the day, I think that's why podcasting has really picked up because more folks are listening and they just need some escape and some relief from it. But I felt it in the room. Friends, like, yeah, need some friends, and a lot of people don't have anybody. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's just that was my point. It was just that that connectivity that comedy provides, whether it's, it's in a group or uh, you're doing Zoom or whatever. It's like just feeling that there is another person out there, like, and there's someone else also feels the same way I do and has the same anxieties, and you need that now more than ever. You know that pack animal mentality because you've been we've been isolated for such a long time. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, we're very close to a vaccine and people, of course, everyone's so screwed up. They're arguing about the vaccine, you know, yeah, so yeah. three U.S. presidents are going to take it on television. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. you oh, know, man. it'd be great if you could only take the shot in your ass. So all three, <laughs> so Clinton, Obama and Bush, George W. have to bend over and pull their pants down <laughs> on TV. So we have proof that they're taking the shot. And we raise money. You raise money by people can bid and they can be the person that takes the needle and shoves it in the president's ass. That'd be a way to, <laughs> to raise money. You know, I wouldn't for... want to be near that ass. <laughs> There's nothing good about that. Ass. No, that doesn't I, end I well. Nine masks. They wouldn't get rid of the odor. <laughs> I mean, there was so many photoshopped him golfing and that wasn't good. That was not real. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It looked like he sharded. Yeah. Yeah. That and was, I think that that is disrespectful to um, to shit. I think. <laughs> apology to the to the actual I, I substance bad. itself. Yeah, yeah. The ex- excrement that came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. That's the body. It, it deserved better treatment. Quite frankly, that's where my sympathy lies. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I don't want to say anything bad about him because there's enough people doing that. Yeah, I, I think I said to someone the other day, and they kind of pushed back on it. But I said, I think. It, Trump is the product of someone who wasn't loved. It's like you see that that need for power and wealth and the bravado and the the bragging. All that comes from anxiety and insecurity of not being held or not being told you were enough. And so you you overdose on this need for power and wealth and the optics of all those things. And I think this special it takes a special person to take it to the level that he's taking it to. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. All these. well, Well, I do think also. Hate to say this, but he is the answer to a lot of people's questions of why don't I feel represented? Yes. And so that doesn't just happen where half of a entire continent. Sorry, Europe. We're on the same continent. Yeah, we're, we're, we're up here. We're, up we're here. on an isthmus. Um, <laughs> people on the same peninsula. That's right. Uh, the same pen. But I mean, we're talking a lot of people that are disenfranchised and the people that the other half is disenfranchised. So something's wrong um, with the people that are politicians and something's wrong with the people that are megalomaniac, narcissistic, wannabe dictators. And something's wrong with people that go, let's change everything right now. It's like, can we just feed some people? Can we just get some businesses back to work? And can we just cure this fucking virus? Can we just get this done? And to his credit, that was done quickly. I do think he accelerated the development. His his annoyingness to get it out before it's approved and tested properly, because I don't think he cares. He just wants it on his record that it came out while he was in session. I just think... 
I just do think it has to be right. But there are things he did um, that you can't really argue about. But I just I need human kindness. I need kindness from a leader. I'm not some left pansy ass guy that goes, I need a hug, even though I was Danny Tanner. But I just think people do need to be kind and considerate of each other. And we just have a lot of people that are angry and and far, far from there. I don't think Canada has. Of course, there's angry people, disenfranchised people that hate. Everybody goes, use Canada's medical system. And there's plenty of people there that can't get the doctors that can't, you know, I mean, what's your perspective on the medical care in in in, in Canada, I mean, it's, it's interesting because in Canada, when there's an election, that thing is never on the table, right? Like, you know, our, our socialized health care, you know, the SK can be tweaked, it can be better, but the concept of it is never on the table or up for debate. It's not like one person's going to come in and take that all away. That's never, ever a debate up here. So, you know, you don't have to look in your bank account when you have to go see a doctor. You don't have to go, oh, God, can I afford to go? I've got a pain in my side. Can I afford to go see somebody? That's not a thing. But do you have to wait like... Uh, three weeks to get the appointment. What if it's a crisis? Can you get it yeah, you, right away? Yeah, yeah. You can go into an emergency. You got, we have clinics everywhere. Like every major, you know, street and neighborhood has clinics there. So you can go to walk-in clinics. You can have your own doctor that you can make an appointment with. So I think the only time you would wait quite often is if you have, you know, um, you need to see a specialist. Sometimes that can be a bit of a wait, um, depending on how they, you know, kind of triage the severity of your condition and stuff. But but overall, it, it works fairly well. Yeah, there are problems and there are holes and I got in a debate with an American once in a pool somewhere in I don't know Maui somewhere I don't know why maybe had a few drinks in Bob I'm not gonna lie to you so right. I, I say uh, what, what's the thing with the, the oh, why don't you just add it to your taxes like why don't you just it's just a, just like schools like if you don't have a kid you realize some of your taxes still go to schools, right? Like you don't do fight on that or bridges that you may not drive across at some point. And I'm like, so why not healthcare? And they pushed back and we're like, no, nah, I don't want to be paying for someone else's. And it became this thing. And I was like, okay. Well, that's where you know. we're at right now. Yeah. You know, uh, and a lot of money is going to get spent to bail people out. Has your government done that? Have there been big stimulus packages that came to everybody during this time? Well, yeah, we had what they called CERB, which was they were sending, putting money into people's accounts if you were unable to get a paycheck for a certain amount of months and stuff. So that was done within days. So you weren't getting a check. You actually just gave your bank information and the government would email you money. It was very, very quick. Businesses could also apply for short-term loans and stuff and get help that way. Um, So, But now bigger corporations like some of the airlines here are, are are looking for a bailout potentially from the government because, you know, airlines are in real trouble too with no one traveling and um, it's tough. And the other thing too is there's no easy decisions, right? Like whatever you decide as a leader, you're going to take shit from somebody. There's no, someone else says it's a hoax. Someone else is like, where's the money, you know? And, uh, you know, it's not easy. It's not. Well, it is if if you can just, well, the fact that you guys, pushed a button and people got money. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did it a little bit. Some rents were given, but you know, people don't have money for Christmas. Yeah. They don't have money for, um, for dinner, you know? So we're, we're in a real pickle. People can't afford pickles. That's the problem. And that's the real that no one's talking about, quite frankly. And I think when when there's a pickle shortage, but also I think you're right. A friend of mine who's from Canada was living in LA and he's, he's back there now, actually. And he talked about that, like when there is a delay for people to get financial support from the government, you're going to look the other way on. Is this thing real? And do I really need to wear a mask? And why can't my shop be open? Because you got to keep the lights on. You got to feed your family. And if there's no government support coming in, then I got a store here. I got to make some money. I don't. I want to go to work. I want to go to my server job or my coffee shop job. And so I think here that did quell a little bit of that stress and anxiety to get back to work and like keep stuff open for the right. most part. People kind of cool their jets a little bit and said, okay, well the government has stepped in, and so I can pay my rent at least this month, or I can put food on the table. But when that's not there i think that does create panic for people and they will yeah. the other way on certain things you know that's what we got going here and we we need i think it'll 
happen. Yeah. I think it'll, I think things will even out. I think it can't continue the way it's going. And it's not, I mean, look what's happening with, apparently we have a regime change. If it's, if it's <laughs> That's right. That should be ready in three years. That should be, yeah, if you don't deny it, if you don't uh, keep, <laughs> but, you know, the, the election results will be in, in three years. In three so. years, you'll finally, finally get a count on that. And Rudy Giuliani's on that. He'll take care of it. It's all, uh, well, it's he good sleeps hands. upside down. I didn't know that he hangs from a coat rack. <laughs> He is, he is part. He's part of the problem. He's part bat. Yeah, it's the problem. Yeah, it was a he bat, was as a bat who caused it. It was a bat who caused the whole thing in the first place, the, the virus. And now we've got a bat, you know, trying to claim that there was fraud. So it's 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 amazing. He, he was actually born in a wet market. No way! I did not yeah. know that he was born in a wet that's, market. That's, that's actually what they called his mother's loins. <laughs> But I never knew till this year what a penguin was, and I don't want to know about that. No, I don't need to know. That's I don't want to know. Foot bat. That's I don't need that here. We don't need those up here. We've nope. got moose. We don't need yeah, do. penguins up here running around. You got uh, bears. You got, got bears. You got wolves. You got you got salmon. You got great great nova. Nova Scotia. Oh, love it. Newfoundland, where I'm from, incredible fishing. I'll tell you what, you mentioned Gaffigan earlier. When he came through here earlier this year, I guess it would have been maybe in February or March of this year before it all shut down. Uh, he had a lot of Canadian material. Like he'd he'd been working on a full chunk of Canada Canadian observations, and you could tell it wasn't just day of. I made some observations. I was like, oh, he's written a chunk on Canada, and it crushed. It was so so. No, he good. studied all about it, and that's what always bothered me because I've been coming to Canada since 1978. I played yuck yucks in Toronto. Jim right. Carrey was one of the openers for me. You know that he was 17. Crazy, know? crazy. It's just it's it's a weird. Crazy. I played Maple Leaf Gardens when I was 22. Man. Do you have a dog or do you have uh, some kind of something walking on the ceiling? Oh, that's uh, my girlfriend has just returned and she does have the dog with her. Yes. So it's uh, or or someone's broken into my home. And I'll be honest with you, because I got my headphones on, I thought it was at your place. I thought the noise was coming. (laughs) I said his leaf blower to be safe. It'd be a horrible end of the podcast. Bob, I love you. Call the authorities. And then I just fall on the frame. (laughs) It's like I I watched him actually get murdered on a podcast. That would get a lot of views. Dog with wings, half bat, half dog, flies to the earth, knocks you out of your chair, and sucks your blood. Um, That's a I'm good I'm happy script. your girlfriend's there. That's good news. Yeah, we she got in, and we're going to spend Christmas together here and, and kind of lay low until we head back to Calgary in the spring. Because the numbers in Calgary right now are spiking in Alberta. It's like it's like the Florida right now. Of No, this is the world. This is the world right now. And people denied, uh, you know, our president said it was going to be gone yeah. in the fall and the summer was going to kill it with the heat because heat kills <laughs> things. And uh, that was way past bleach, you know. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, you know, we're now at a place where we're a month or two literally from being vaccinated. Yeah. And that will hopefully the plan is you don't get it then that's the plan and then we don't know how long the vaccine lasts but i'm very optimistic about this i mean uh, science is is it can be amazing if you believe in it Uh, yeah if you if you choose to believe in it um all right dude like last thing i'll ask you what is what's going on for you so you're you're obviously working on a script right now you i know you like you said the plan would be to shoot it in uh in once we're able to in like may or something to get it up and going i'm um developing a bunch of shows so i'm in the middle of pitch season but that doesn't start till january because everybody's shut down right everybody like right now between normally in showbiz between the thanksgiving until the middle of december you got about two weeks where you could go to the studios and have yep. meetings go into their offices uh but now you can't even do a zoom with anybody they just said everything shut down they're right. firing people it's rehiring new people and um it's it's a insane time and yet stuff we're watching on tv is some of the best stuff we've seen right pre-pandemic True. it's almost like they knew we were going to need content really bad because yeah. these shows are they're pretty damn awesome i mean did you watch the one 
um, with uh, Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. Did you see that one? No, I haven't seen it. No, that's the David E. Kelly one. That oh, is, wow. it is called um, the the. I'll do it. I'll, we can both do it. We'll have a race. Um, it's one of my it's one of my favorite shows I ever saw, and it's uh, I believe eight episodes, and it is um, the Undoing. Oh wow! Okay. And it's Donald Sutherland, and it's on. Do you have HBO Max up there? Because I think that's going international. I think I can get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they have it anyway. It might be on the movie network or something. You know, sometimes they buy the shows right away. Yeah. But there is sometimes a lag in when Canada gets shows. It's, it's, um, yeah, we get, uh, I was looking for Stephen Burns latest thing where it's at the opener, I guess it's called where it's, it's, right. it's with the opening. And I, it wasn't on our Amazon up here yet on Amazon prime that I have. Isn't that weird? I, I noticed that. And then I was on, um, uh, I was in Mexico and, uh, I was there and safely yeah. and I was there for a few days and I couldn't get any of my shows on my iPad. And so I, I got express VPN, right. which is this thing. And it worked. Got it worked. I was able to get all my U S shows. So you could get all my U S shows on a laptop or an iPad or on your, but however you put it on your screen yeah. with this express VPN. And they are an advertiser on my web, on my, on my web, on my, on my your podcast. Web, you have a web, yeah. I have a web between my legs. Cause I haven't, you had, I haven't that, yeah. you had that put in there. I remember that was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I had to, cause it was, uh, you were dropping I, your phone a lot and it would just catch your phone every time it fell. I had a lot of flies, and so I needed to <laughs> stop them. And um, and you know, spiders once they're in there, they'll they'll get them. Oh, they'll uh, build a they'll build a nest in there, and it's, it's the only problem. way to get rid of it is the guy with the leaf blowers coming over, and he's gonna <laughs> you know just, see. That's comedy. That's, that's what, a callback. That's how you that's end a podcast. All it is. That's you all bring it is. Full circle. Boom. That's a professional right there. Well, buddy, I'm happy holidays. Merry Christmas. You too, buddy. So good to see you. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're safe. You Um, too. I'm really happy to see you. Yeah. So when I'm rescheduling my dates, I'm going to reach out. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. We'll do some fun stuff for people (laughs) because... They're going to need to laugh, and I need to do it. It's so bad I'm doing a freaking drive-in. I know. Me too, man. I miss it so much, um, (laughs) for sure. All right, buddy. Take care, man, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Trent. Cheers, bud. Be well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. That's it. That's my chat with Bob Saget. That was awesome um, and fun for me, man. Like to to talk to that guy and catch up. And um, as I said, one of the kindest people in the business, and doesn't have to be, you know. And how often do you get to hear stories about you know um, Rickles and you know it's just it's it's crazy the life he's had and the career he's had and. Uh, so that was really fun to catch up. Um, again, thanks to you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. The podcast has really taken on a head of steam um, over the last little while. And, and that's thanks to all you folks out there who are listening. And I really appreciate that and the support. Don't forget to subscribe and, uh, and tell your friends about it. And also thanks to my team for, for all the help uh, that they've done. Uh, Dan, Alexi, um, Christine, Carolyn, and Heather, everyone who's, who bust their butts to, to get behind this thing and put it out every single week uh, means a lot. Your work means a lot and it makes a difference. So uh, to those of you listening, have a fantastic week. Be safe. Uh, I hope there's lots of laughs in it and uh, I'll catch up with you guys next week on the GP. All right. Have a good week. Bye.